Well, a very good evening to you and welcome to another 60 minutes of technology conversation on Ghana Radio. We're just a week more to Techpreneurs Month right here on City Trends. I'm excited. I hope you are too. Turn up the volume and let's enjoy some great conversations. My name is Philippa Sean and you're welcome to the show. Exciting times because in about a week's time, we will be bringing into the studio some of Ghana's very best in terms of technology entrepreneurs who are changing the face of doing business, who are changing the face of how we even live our lives on a daily basis. And it's going to be exciting in the studio. We're going to be covering everything from fintech to agritech to health technology to edutech to everything and it's going to be great because it's going to be homegrown talent who are exhibiting exactly what they're doing with technology right here in ghana exciting times exciting times oh my goodness it's exciting times but then that's not all we're doing on the show because this show proudly 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 today and every other day for the next couple of months is sponsored by FNB First National Bank. We are so glad to have them on board and they are there for you whenever you need them. First National Bank is the sponsor of City Trends. But like I said, today we are going to have a very different kind of show because I am going to bring you two of my favorite interviews over the course of the year. One of them um, was with Jamila Abdullah. Who, who spoke about the starter pack for technology entrepreneurs, even as you warm up, you know, for the close of the year. And um, the man who was one of the founding members of, um, you know, the, the, the company that is taking the world by storm, he'll be in the sea, join us actually on the phone to talk about Huawei and um, how basically huawei is looking at using 5g to catapult the rest of the world to wherever it wants to get to and all the shenanigans that went on a couple of months ago um kofi kofi will be will be speaking to us in just a bit but aside that we'll be having a conversation about how we can get ourselves connected properly um to the internet with reliable safe and fast internet um made available by a company that will be speaking to us in just a bit yeah click if you have heard of them well we will be speaking to folks from there and of course from teledata ict as well it's a packed show it's a great show i'm more than happy to be bringing you the show but then you can get in touch with the show by simply doing this. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-9986-996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend.
Has your computer developed a problem you don't understand? Is your phone refusing to respond? Is there a computer virus you're battling with? Are you having problems signing into your account? Share your tech problems with City Trends and we will get the experts to help you solve them. Send us your problems via WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. You can also send us a tweet using the hashtag CityTrends. So let's kick things off with our very first conversation that I absolutely love. The Digital Survival Kit with Jamila Abdullahi. She is a content creator like a very few, of course. She is loved by anybody who follows her for her great wit and, and wisdom and understanding of the digital space. And we had a conversation with her where she spoke to us about the Digital Survival Kit for you know literally every technology entrepreneur out there and um, she's also the founder of circumspect and so um we're going to bring back that conversation and when we come back from the conversation we're going to be speaking about internet and internet access and how it can help us to bring everybody on like you know from from the very bottom to 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 beyond the sky so um let's listen to jamila as she speaks about um the starter pack for you know the digital survival kit actually for the average technology entrepreneur they might talk about you for the 15 20 minutes of mm. fame or whatever mm. but then what after mm. what comes next mm. right and this is why i say it's not about the hype mm. at the end of the day if the content that's just meant to be polarizing and to get people to you know to be controversial and get people to talk about it i mean ghana is a great example of that mm. every week we have a different debate topic on social Absolutely. media sometimes every, even within one week yes, we have like two or two three, or three. Yeah. and the next week it's another thing Jumping so that's an example mm. of you know there's talking yeah. but then what happens afterwards right. um and for a business i think yes initially you might want that visibility but over time, you need something that's a bit more sustainable. Right. And this is where branding comes into play. Mm. This is where your reputation comes into play. And then this is especially where your digital narrative comes into play. Right. And so by digital narrative, um, what I'm trying to... What is your business about? What does your business stand for? What mm. are the principles and values upon which your, your business stands? And what value do you bring? Right. Now, if you're able to communicate that really well, mm -hmm. then what will end up happening, even if there's a moment of hype and the hype goes, what will end up happening is that people who resonate with your digital narrative are going to stick around. Right. right? right. And that's what you want. So for a lot of people will pay... Uh, God knows, I honestly don't even know that amounts, <laughs> but people will pay to buy followers. Right. And yes, you've bought the followers, but the do? followers you bought, at number one, are they even, because a lot of them are like bots. Yeah. They're robots or robot accounts, if right. you want to describe it as that. Are they even in Ghana? Are they even within your target market, mm. right? Are they even people who are interested in what you have to sell? Right. So you buy all these followers. Yes, you might have a lot of likes. But at the end of the day, when you say, I'm selling X, Y, Z, will they actually decide to pay for it? Right. And that is the question that a lot of digital entrepreneurs have to figure out. I think uh, it comes down to value. 
Mm. It comes down to value mm. and each interaction you have online, mm -hmm. um, that's an opportunity to showcase some value right. either with regards to your business mm -hmm. or the product or service that you're Offering. hoping to sell. Uh, also, you need to be patient. Ah. Yes. So building a digital business <laughs> is similar to building a business in real life, right? right? As I said, they, they mirror each other right. and you have to be patient. Mm. So with Circumspect, for instance, we've been in the digital space for 11 years. We're mm. going on our 12th year. Mm. Um, and it's only within our seventh year that I really started having a sense of this is what the company could potentially be. This is what we stand for. And it's only three years after I started doing it full time that I, these are um, our digital products and services and this is the direction we're mm, going to go in. Mm. So it does take time. And mm. I think that's something a lot. Fact. But if you are, the whole thing is play the long game. If you are playing the hype game, which is right. the short-term game, right. then you'll be in and out, mm. and you won't be able to sustain it. But if you play the long game, mm. and remember what I said about having um, digital real estate, right. uh, if you play the long game and bet on the fact that the trends are saying people are going to move online right. as infrastructure improve, costs reduce, people have more education, mm. that's the game you should be playing, mm. and that takes time. Mm. Uh, another thing I would say is you always need to, even as someone who, who is a social media trainer and who teaches about using digital tools, I have to stay learning, right? I have to be reading things and finding out new resources and testing. Testing mm. and experimenting is mm. another thing you need to be very, very open to. Mm. Also pay attention to the trends. Right. right. So you have all these global trends. Of course, a lot of it is driven by what's happening in the U.S., but you still have to look at it and localize it to your specific country or community, mm. right? And that also plays on the content element because I think a lot of people will go online and they know that, okay, I should be putting out. Um, and so what all they'll do is they'll just emulate someone sitting in San Francisco, maybe another tech entrepreneur or digital yeah. entrepreneur and copy the kind of content that they're putting out mm. and push the same thing out. Mm. But let's be real. They probably don't like have that. doom so. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. You need to ground it in your own reality. Right. And so I like to say that um, when life gives you tomatoes, make jollof. <laughs> right? So Absolute. take what Absolute. is given to you right. and then use that to create. And I think that is really where a lot of the opportunity is going to be. Okay. It's realizing that we do have an economy of our own. We do have people who have problems. And while we might, we like to say, I am building for the global market, the reality is you do not have the entire global market at your beck and call, right. especially when you're starting out, yeah. right? So look at your immediate environment. Look at your unique circumstances, the history of your company, especially if you're moving from offline to online, mm -hmm. and try to find those touch points and build upon those elements. Um, what else will I say? I think productivity. Right. Uh, digital tools offer a chance to be more productive. Mm. Some people will say that's not necessarily the case because they spend God knows how much time on Instagram. Exactly. Uh, but I also think with, with each tool, the plus and minuses that I have come to appreciate is that I can be a bit more productive as someone who is a digital entrepreneur and works online. So for instance, I am less likely to go to an in-person meeting in Ghana, mm. right? If I get a phone call, I'll get a phone call or a WhatsApp message. 
and I'll usually route my clients through my email. So mm -hmm. I have like a flow for um, onboarding clients. I'll route them through my email. That way, they can give me a complete picture of what they need. We can have an exchange. I can get a sense of this is what they're looking for. And right. I also have it documented. Right. right. Easy reference. Easy reference. And then you can also clarify things if you yeah. don't understand. After that, if there's potential to work together, then we might have a um, conversation. conversation. And for the most part, if you're a digital entrepreneur and you have the opportunity to work remotely, do it. Right. Because then you're not dealing with all these additional costs mm. of, I don't have an office. Mm. People always ask me, where's your office? I'm like, you see my laptop? That's not have those physical costs of having to pay for office space. Um, even with, with, with regards to building a team, I say take your time with that. Find the right people. And that's a struggle for startups in general, whether mm. you're online or offline is finding the right people for mm. a team or for a company. So take your time to find the right people Thankfully, you have all these networks. You have LinkedIn. You might have a conversation with someone on Twitter. Right. And that those could be the beginnings of potential business partnerships or actually building a team. So take advantage of those. Well, thank you so much. And that was Jamila Abdullahi spreading the gospel in the best way possible. Um, if you understood uh, what she was talking about, it was it was key things that you need. A survival kit almost. Um, um, stuff that she's picked up over the years about how you can survive as a digital entrepreneur. One of the things that she talked about getting close to the conversation was the fact that it really does help when you work remotely. So someone is asking, where's your office? Where's your office? Well, my office is my laptop. But then the tricky part of that is how can you make a remote office work where you don't have dependable internet to actually connect you with everybody else. If you want to, for example, check out what's happening on LinkedIn, you want to send huge files to a client or video files to somebody to review, you want to collaborate with a team of other people. How can you do that if you don't have solid internet to back you up? Now, we know that in these parts, yes, maybe the stats might say it is much better than some other countries, but we know that we deserve better internet in Ghana. It's not the very best, but some people are actually trying to make it really, really good. And when we find people like that, it's only fair that we have conversations with them about how their solutions are working, um, some of the things that are working, some of the things that are not working, and how we can even make us collectively much better. And so in the studio with me today, I have um, Rafael Corte, who is um, the Yaklik um, country manager in uh, West Africa, and Gregory Eid, who is the CEO of Teledata ICT. Of course, Teledata, Teledata ICT. Nobody needs to introduce you to that company. But yeah, but these, these two individuals are in the studio with me today to talk about what the potential is, how we can harness, you know, better internet, better quality internet, not just better, but better quality internet to improve lives and to basically grow um, businesses and technology entrepreneurs in the country. Gentlemen, you're welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, I mean, we, we, we some of the things that Jimena was talking about, you know, like working remotely and um, connecting with all these different clients remotely without necessarily being in the same physical space with them, even though that is important. We know that we have a situation in Ghana in terms of the internet speed and connectivity and things like that. And I think one of the places I want to start off with is if any of you can paint us a picture of what the situation is in terms of connectivity 
in Ghana? If you can paint as a realistic picture, what what does it look like when you look at you know people's access to internet, people's the reliability of the internet access, the connectivity that they have? Can you paint us a picture of what what the situation looks like? Okay, so I'll start off by saying that you know she mentioned your your earlier play playback mm. here. Um, she mentioned that she could work remotely, mm. you know, and but how does it sound to you if I tell you that you could actually work anywhere in Ghana now, you know, with our product, with Yaklik, mm. you know, obviously that's, that changes the trajectory now. Mm. It changes the whole story mm. now. So irrespective of what, you know, primary con connection that you have, you know that there is a reliable complementary or alternative solution mm. to your current existing, mm. you know, infrastructure or services that you have. Mm. Um, I'm talking about satellite um, connectivity mm. and to be specific, Yaklik. Mm. So what Yaklik seeks to do, basically we are trying to bridge that digital divide. Mm. So you have, you have um, people living in the rural areas and underserved areas mm. who want to be connected. Because yeah. once you have connection, then these people can actually live their lives as if they were in the metro areas right. or they have access to uh, internet connectivity as their peers or um, their partners in, 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 in the metro areas or in the cities. Mm. This is what we want to achieve. We want to bridge that digital divide mm. and we are doing so with Yaklik satellite right. internet. When, when you say satellite internet like what exactly does that mean for the lay person like break it down for us how is it how how different is it from what most people are used to which is you know pick up their phone or whatever like what is it what is satellite internet okay so to break it down yes um you, we we all you know familiar with dstv or your multi tv yes right okay so the engineer comes to your house install a dish it's connected to a box yes and then you have service, yes. similar to that. Mm. But instead of TV, we are providing internet. Mm. So the same way you can have DSTV everywhere in Ghana, mm. now with the Yaklik, you can have internet everywhere in Ghana. Mm. With a dish similar to the size of your DSTV and the modem, you could have internet. And we have very competitive speeds and actually good speeds that can actually compete with, you know, our traditional um, current provider. I was actually going to ask you, like, what's, what's the big difference, really? Like, what's the big difference between what you offer and what is available elsewhere? It's the reach. Mm. The extensive reach, the affordability, and the fact that it's efficient. Mm. You know, so, and, and it's cost-effective as well because what this places you anywhere you want to be in Ghana and wouldn't have to um, worry yourself about, you know, cost of, you know, investment, your capex that you have to put it on mm. now or there. Because even in the satellite industry, there are, there, are, there are various, you know, technologies. But our technology affords us to actually then push high capacity, super fast internet mm. through a very small dish and a modem. Is that where Teledata ICT comes in? I see. Well, I mean, since the man is here, let me let me just ask him about uh, about how it has been so far for 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 you, like working in Ghana, Gregory. Um, what what's 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 the scene looking like from where you sit? Um, speed bumps and potholes, I would say. <laughs> um, it's been interesting. Um, the industry itself is very big. Mm. Um, population is growing. Um, income 
levels growing, and I'm sure many would argue uh, they would wish it was a little do, faster. Yes, a little faster. Right. Um, and with that comes, uh, of course, competition right. uh, from service providers, telcos, internet providers, introducing different technologies mm. to deliver internet service. So, mm. uh, we've we are one of the first companies to do broadband internet in Ghana. So I, I think uh, we've we've seen um, uh, various milestones and and um, uh, if you want uh, periods of time in the history of uh, of internet, mm. but generally uh, we we are are happy in the space that we're in. We we only do fixed broadband internet, so we we don't. You cannot take our internet with you on your phone from one from an office to your home and to move around. Mm. So th and that space um, is a space that will continue to grow. And when you come home you p probably put your phone on silent mm -hmm. uh, or connect it to your Wi-Fi at home mm -hmm. uh, and go to your TV and watch a movie, for example, or uh, you know, chat with friends. If you're in the office, mm. you would also do the same thing. Right. You, you need fixed, reliable broadband internet to be able to help you, uh, you know, um, in your business, in, right. in your operations. And you use mobile for anywhere in between. Mm. Sadly, um, people in Ghana, a lot of people still use mobile internet connections with they should be using fixed mm. but they don't have those options available mm. and that's where i think yakli comes um into play because mm. th it's a satellite that is uh, orbiting around the earth it, right. it it can see the earth it can see ghana without any restrictions or any obstacles and beam those signals down to earth um i think the the proposition of being able to connect a small dish not that expensive anywhere in Ghana, point it to the sky and then start watching Netflix immediately mm. is huge. It's, mm. a, it's, a, it's an extremely uh, impressive and interesting value proposition. What, what, what are the speeds like? Up to 30 megabits per second. And for, for the layperson, I'll break it down. Mm. Netflix, high definition, 5 megabits. If your kids are playing a PlayStation at the same time, mm. another four megabits that's mm. nine megabits mm. and then the wife and young daughter chatting on their phone mm. that's one megabit that mm. you need 10 megs at home to do almost anything you want simultaneously right. and and yaklik offers three times that much capacity that's incredible then that's incredible so i mean people talk about you 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 mentioned about underserved communities for example like what what is the work that has gone into bringing some of these underserved communities within you know this conversation such that they will also be able to connect with the rest of the world okay so you you know that um one of the key things that i, st I said earlier was that there are certain industries and verticals that we want to look at mm -hmm. so these underserved years predominantly you're going to be having farmers you know and um let's say people in the in the informal sector mm. who are living in rural settings we have seen in the past or we've actually seen now you know based on our experiences in other countries where we operate that when you are able to send internet connectivity to an area just a 10 percent you know introduction into mm. that area it mm. translates to about 1.3 percent in the gdp growth of that locality or that environment mm. so what this means is that now all of a sudden you are able to connect people you know, wherever they are in Ghana, mm. you know, to the world. And then it creates jobs, it creates opportunities. You can look at the areas in healthcare, 
in agriculture, in mining, in banking, in education. It just opens up the space. It opens up. Mm. And then all of a sudden now people can actually have digital jobs. You know, people are now having access to the world. You know, kids in rural schools can have access to curriculum that their peers in the metro areas or anywhere in the world are having access, have access to. to. Yeah. I see. I mean, one of the things that often comes up when these conversations pop up is the issue about costing and things like that. And you have to admit, it is a reality that people need to face. You know, and people talk about how much it costs. But from what you're saying, it's actually a very cost-effective way of connecting communities to the internet. You see, there, there is a, there's an objective or there's a plan to connect the last billionth in the world. Hmm. Okay. Unfortunately, that, that last billion person or that person is sitting in Africa. Mm. Now, if we are going at this pace, what this means is that it's actually going to take us a very long time to be apart with the rest of the world. Right. So how do we then bridge that gap? Mm. And we can do this using Yaklik. Mm. Because you spoke about cost. It is actually cheaper, you know, to send Yakli to Damango or to Waliwali, mm. have an installer there, and in less than an hour, you have service, and like Greg said, connect your Netflix and you're doing your WhatsApp mm. and your videos, mm. than somebody actually going out there and try to send the traditional infrastructure there, which could take months and even cost years, you and it's going to cost more. you more, mm. you know. But inversely, what this is happening is that once you get that locality or that point or that remote connected mm. then you're providing jobs opportunities you know for people either they want to do an online or let's take for example in south africa a major part um of our of our clientele you know we have farmers you know who who are using yaklik prior to they connecting to yaklik they will have to let's say walk to the to the top of a hill because or they climate are in the tree. climate tree just to get the decent GSM signal. Right. You know. But then all of a sudden connecting to Yaklik and then they can actually have the service in the on the farm, you know, they can do some contractual work. The farmer can now have access to the world market. Mm. He knows how his produce is doing on the market and the prices that the middleman is selling, you know, when he comes to pick his produce. In collaboration with your partners, you often put together like trainings and things because I mean, yes, it's great to have internet or internet access, but it's not everybody who really understands the potential of what the internet can do for them, for their business, for their family, and things like that. Is this something that you guys do collaboratively? Yes. Um, we recognized quite earlier on that um, uh, to, to, with such coverage comes a challenge, uh, which is uh, penetration of um, reach to the potential customers. How do we, as a company, that operates predominantly in the major cities uh, get our sales team and sales force to go out to more underserved areas. Mm. The answer was uh, partner with resellers, mm. people who have a certain talent or skill, who are local, who have relationships already, and then train them and equip them to go after those markets and potential customers in the areas. I travel a lot extensively in, in country and yes, there are places where it's very, very poor and unlikely that people would even be ready to use the internet. But the majority of places, even if they were ex really rural areas, mm. you'd be surprised to find a nice house, a small guest house, um, mm. 
rural uh, bank, a savings and loan, a, mm. a police station, a, a, a Ghana post. So mm. th there is potential all over the country, and it's through the network of resellers that we we reach those people. We, we've been able to recruit so far in excess of 80 resellers. Mm. Uh, and for us, it's a, it's a huge value add for them in terms of wealth creation mm. and job and employment creation for them. Because once they start selling Yaklik, they also have the opportunity to hire more people to help them um, reach um, a wider geographical mm. area. And speaking about that, um, entrepreneurs, Ghanaian entrepreneurs, whether technology oriented or whichever, how how are you offering sort of your services to them? What packages, for example, are available to them and that sort of thing? In two, in two thousand and eighteen, I'm gonna launch the National Entrepreneurship and Innovation Plan. Okay, and which was obviously was aimed at creating a business friendly environment to stimulate you know entrepreneurship in Ghana. We believe that the Yaklik service can actually support this initiative. Mm. It stim stimulates that and then also supports the growth of SMEs mm. you know, across these sectors. Um, we have realized that satellite broadband connectivity would then be able to connect you know, these businesses to their customers and suppliers mm. um, through its extensive reach. But meanwhile, the, the KUBAN connectivity strengthens also the business, you know. So in areas where you have operations that is highly digitized, then we are able to provide the solution for, you know, for um, such verticals and such industries. Mm, what, what, um, we just got a question. Um, hello, sir. How does your satellite service break through on favorable weather conditions? Okay. So this, this you know, we call it a rain fade. Okay, so let's say you're watching TV, you know, digital TV, and then there's uh, the, the condition worse and the weather condition worse, it breaks up. And um, it's across the satellite uh, industry. What we have done is that we have introduced a technology because our, our satellite is a high throughput satellite. So with this technology that we have introduced, you don't get cut off in harsh weather conditions because we are using what we call multiple spot beams. Other satellites will use wide beams, you know, and it will do stretch from country to country across continent. What we offer is multiple sport beams. So Ghana, for example, has three sport beams covering the country. When it rains, and the, the good thing is that it's not going to rain everywhere in the world at the same time. Right. So if it's raining in Ghana, in layman terms, the technology will pick power from another beam where the weather is favorable, pump it in, you know, you don't get cut off, you know, and you can actually see it, you know, you see the speed, you know, reducing a bit, and then within minutes, it climbs up again because another that is compensating for that. Once the weather condition improves, you have your decent connection. Well, I do hope that answers your question. Unfortunately, you didn't leave a name there. But, um, I mean, back, back to one of the things I've always been fascinated about is in your operations, which industries and sectors are the ones who are um, using up the most data? Like, you know, because, uh, you know, media houses, obviously, because they need to be transmitting, banks, because of the nature of their work. Like, which industries typically consume so much data, like, from, from your experience? Well, it uh, depends on their geographical coverage. Okay. Like if they are operating only in Accra, mm. then um, it, it would be almost any type of business. If the, the, uh, the, the business um, is operating in multiple geographies, mm. even within the same country, um, an example that you gave, which is very accurate, is about the banks, right? right? So they have branches, ATMs, and things like that. Mm. 
But you have NGOs operating, you've got government operating, uh, uh, you've got military operating, broadcast that needs also to be in, in multiple places at the same time. Um, you have even small to medium businesses that have one or two branches, some have mm. 10, 12 branches. Mm. Um, so uh, I think it cuts across. The, the, the key is for satellite connectivity specifically is geographical coverage. Mm. If you're operating in, in Accra only, you have many options. Right. Uh, you can go to Yaklik, you can go to any other provider, mm. right? Well, I am suggesting other providers with a caveat. I think Yaklik is, is amazing mm. in terms of quality price. But if you're in, um, in a rural area or an underserved area, you have very few options and therefore Yaklik not only would be your only option, but really would be, a, it's the, almost like... The, the most plausible option. I think it's, mm. I think I need to clarify that. It's almost like an incredibly, it's almost like having a, I don't know, a, a Mercedes Benz um, in a small village driving around, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's such a very high-quality product mm. that it really doesn't matter whether you're using a crowd in rural areas. So if you go to a very remote area and you plug it, you will get 30 megabits per second and you'll be watching wherever it is, wherever it is you are. So mm. Mm. It's, it's not only an issue of uh, availability in places where uh, terrestrial networks uh, find it difficult to go, mm. but once you get it, it's also very, very high quality mm. as well. Mm. What about... Yeah. So to, to add to that, I mean, the financial industry is also another vertical that, you know, we look at. Um, in certain countries, we have we have connected, you know, rural banks and the branches of major banks that want to extend the services to, you know, the, the unbanked, mm -hmm. you know, um, people in, in those areas. Now, we're connecting ATMs, we're connecting, you know, rural um, branches. That way, we want to talk, talking about financial inclusion. We want to include all those people who are currently unbanked, you know, get unbanked and bring them into the financial mm. scene. And we can do so effectively with the ACLIC. With the ACLIC. Well, now, what about the health services? So the health services, I mean, picture this. Not every health, you know, post in Ghana, mm. you know, or in Africa for that matter, uh, will have a specialist doctor, mm. you know, um, at that post. But we know that in the teaching hospitals or in the special hospitals, we have enough resources there. So by connecting a rural post to you know, a major hospital there, the patient can go in and it will actually feel as if they're actually face-to-face -face with a specialist. Mm. They can be seen to, their details can be taken, and then the doctor can actually examine them and provide um, prescribed medication for them. Mm. You know, and it will, be, it will be the same experience as if they were actually sitting in front of the uh, um, the, the doctor. Mm. What this also does is that then that patient wouldn't have to travel kilometers upon kilometers to, spe to see a specialist because they can sit anywhere. They can actually be in their local um, community and be seen by a specialist um, doctor. We have a platform because we have partnered with um, some ICT companies, you know, who are into the, they have provided a health platform, a e-health platform. Okay. And we we have specialized uh, specialist doctors you know and they they are accessible whether in country or out of the country mm. and they can provide services for these people that's interesting i guess one of my questions i i've always wanted to put across to you know people like you is in terms of the cost as well how cost effective is it very cost effective. Um, Yaklik is has been very supportive as well when it comes to uh, reducing the cost 
um, to us. Um, I, I will say it openly. I mean, any incentive, financial incentive that we get from Yaclick, we pass it all 100% to our clients mm. because we think customer acquisition is key and we can make money later on in the future. Um, so it's not it's not expensive. It's definitely not um, something that the very poor can afford. Um, and so it's a very good question. I think that people play different roles in enabling um, connectivity, which then opens up this huge uh, opportunity uh, for health services education. It cannot be just a, a satellite company mm. and a local internet service provider, mm. and then we, we somehow by magic will be able to transform the economy and the fortunes of people. Yeah. I think uh, government, both local and, and of course uh, central government, needs to play a supporting role. Again, I don't, I'm not suggesting they should they should give money, but they should offer other resources. For example, facilities. Um, if we were to install uh, equipment in a in a rural part of the country, it would be good if we had free access to a rooftop of Ghana Post, for example, without right. having to pay for it. Right. Um, I have it on on good authority. For example, back to the issue of health services, that there is a major multinational company, manufacturing company, that supplied some image scanning machines uh, for all the rural hospitals and they could not use them because they, you know you don't have a technician who a specialist who can read and interpret those they, they're in those teaching hospitals mm. in the in the cities mm. they just needed connectivity to be able to transmit the image for and then the, the doctor would call and say oh they've got a broken arm so mm. this is what you need to do right mm. um, and these equipment uh, I think are now left to rot so mm. Uh, connectivity is an enabler per se. So Yaclick or Teledata alone cannot do very much uh, unless we bring in other stakeholders into it. The regulators, uh, government, Ministry of Communication, NGOs, um, and whatever resources or monies they put, uh, they contribute to this, help reduce the final cost to the consumer. Um, so if we were to be uh, smart and uh, realistic, I think the approach would be big projects, NGOs that have impact, health services, education services, these have major impact implications on the economy. And then, of course, we can talk about the commercial because we need to pay bills as of well. Course. Yeah. Of course. Well, we have a question from Peter um, Poreku. I hope I got um, the pronunciation of your name right. He says, please, does Yaklik have resellers in the regions of the north? I'm interested in becoming a member and getting trained. Yes, we do. Um, so we partnership with Teledata. As he mentioned earlier, we have about 80 resellers and um, mm. distribution network, but it's growing. And um, on a regular basis, we conduct trading and recruitment drives to bring in more um, resellers. Because what it does is that uh, we've realized most of our service partners are based in the metro areas, in Accra, you know, in the Kumasi. Um, but Yaklik is needed in Damango, in the north, in Wale Wale, wherever, in the remotest part. Right. But in order to, to extend our geographical reach and in, in, in our footprints across the country, we can only do so by having uh, a distribution network. Right. So, yes, we are constantly recruiting resellers. And if you go to our website, yaklik.com, um, you're going to see our, our service partners. So I must mention that we have 
um, Teledata, Comsys, and Busy as our local, you know, um, partners in country. You'll be directed to their website, and you get to talk to someone, and then they will tell you about our next recruitment drive. There's an online form that you can fill um, in, in, at, on, on the Teledata um, website. You fill it up. Someone will call you, and then we will train you, and then you can start. And it's as simple as that. It's yeah. that simple. So, I mean, just once again, because... Just in case you're not sure about the spelling, it is Y A H C L I C K. Just so that we are clear, yes. you know. So that is uh, just go to the website, as he said, yaklik.com, and um, you find all the information there. Yeah. Are you available also on social media platforms so people who can interact, you know, ask questions if they need we to? We have an Instagram page, um, okay. we have um, a Facebook page, and we're also um, on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the platforms that typically people can interact yeah. with you with. Anyway, so final closing remarks before you take leave of us. I'll, I'll start off with Gregory. Um, I think people should be ready to pay mm. for good quality service. Yes, it should be affordable, but it, it cannot be free. Otherwise, uh, the whole thing is not sustainable. Right. Um, we are, as a company, are willing to help uh, and find very creative ways to reduce that cost, spread it over a long period of time, mm. pass on the equipment for free if customers commit to a certain term, so a lot of a lot of uh, options available for people to mm. connect. We're also happy to do proof of concepts. So a trial where they don't have to pay anything, mm. uh, just show commitment that if it does work for them, that they would pay for it. Right. Um, and like I said earlier on, Yaklik is 100% behind us in all of those initiatives. Um, um, an incredible company uh, with long, long-term um, um, vision and a lot of stamina as well. Okay. Final, final words there, Ravel. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, we want to unlock, you know, Ghana's potential um, across the key growth areas. Uh, that is um, healthcare, the financial sector, and then also entrepreneurship. With our partnership with um, our local partners here, we believe that we'll be able to achieve achieve so. So, with Yaklik, we can, we can unlock your potential. We send connectivity everywhere in Ghana. And then we were able to bridge the digital uh, gap. For no one, Anita is asking a question. Where can I get Yaklik to buy? Just call Teledata. <laughs> TeledataICT.com and fill a form. We'll call you back and we'll uh, explain all the packages that are available. All right. So, Anita, I hope that answers your question. So, please visit the website Teledata.com. Um, ICT.com. Teledata ICT.com. Fill out the form that's available there and um, you get a call back and they will just basically work their magic with you so you can get access to high speed internet access. So, yes, thank you guys so much um, for making time to join us on the show. But I, I guess you have something that you wanted to. Yes, I, I, I actually wanted to add that apart from Ghana, we are also in Ivory Coast, Senegal, the Gambia, Togo, Benin, Nigeria. Mm you know, the, the Southern Africa and a host of other um, sub-Saharan and African countries. I also wanted to add that Yaklik, we are actually the pioneers of the KA band broadband connectivity nice. in Africa. So we are the number one satellite broadband, you know, connectivity provider. Numero uno. Yes, in Africa. I'd like to add that uh, we emphasized a lot on underserved, unserved, rural. Um, Teledata is offering uh, business customers uh, the highest level of reliability and availability um, by combining our own fiber and radio connectivity with Yaklik. So we're, we're the only company that can guarantee 
that your internet will be available 100% of the time. Um, and that obviously means in the areas where Teledata has a network already, that's in, in eight regions, but still we don't have the satellite coverage footprint that Yaklik does. Mm. So in combining those two technologies, business customers who need to be online all the time, cannot afford any downtimes, can come and talk to us. Brilliant. Well, in the studio with me, Rafael Quarte, Yaklik Country Manager, West Africa, and Gregory Eid, who's the CEO of Teledata ICT, where my guests in the studio. Gentlemen, thank you so much for making time thank to join us. Now, speaking of high-speed internet, then comes that conversation a couple of months ago about 5G and 5G this and 5G that. Well, for those of you who are not really sure about what all of that is about, I had a conversation with Kofi Dadze um, of RunCard, um, and um, he basically broke everything down in the simplest of languages. Um, enjoy. Let's look at Google and the Android operating system, what that is to the smartphone ecosystem. And then look at Huawei as a smartphone handset manufacturer. So um, reports indicate that um, about 49% of Huawei's sales actually comes from their handsets. About 49% of Huawei's sales comes from their handsets. And there's a significant portion of those handset sales which are in China, and then there's a significant other portion which is distribution to other markets. So Europe, US, Africa, and elsewhere in Asia, Latin America, and so on. So if you look at the sales impact too, Huawei, it again splits into two. For the Chinese market, um, the Google applications which are also affected under this event, such as Gmail and Maps, mm. are not typically used inside of the Chinese market. Yeah, of course. Yes. If you will recall, Google as a company pulled out of mainland China a while ago. Yeah. Right, and there are and there are restrictions on the use of these Google applications. Mm. Therefore, Huawei Android devices distributed in mainland China are not as significantly affected. However, the Huawei devices that you or I may use outside of the Chinese market, which are running on Android, particularly new devices that Huawei is planning to release are the ones that would be significantly affected if this embargo, so to speak, has not been lifted by the time their new devices are coming out. So you and I probably use Gmail and 
but to highlight two key applications which are under these restrictions. And so if we were to be purchasing an Android device, <laughs> or if we were to be purchasing a device that's not running on Android due to any of these restrictions, we would certainly um, be considering the alternatives. So if you look at the potential for a sales impact, um, a sig significant um, uh, sales impact on Huawei, I'd say in the short to midterm for new devices coming out, um, it, it, it could uh, be um, of, of concern to them. Then, if you look at the Google side of things, here's what I surmise. Um, Google didn't appear to take this action until triggered by U.S. government trade sanctions, so to speak. I'm assuming I'm using the right U.S. government um, lingua pertaining to the action. So we can we can we can assume that this does not normally make sense to Google as an action to take. And I make that argument based on the trade economics at play here. After Samsung reports indicate that Huawei is the second largest distributor of Android devices. Exactly. Uh -huh. So then you see from the Google angle that Huawei is a significant distributor of Google software and applications. And we know that Android distribution is fundamental to Google's core strategy for getting out their apps for users to engage with, from which ultimately their business and search and ads is effective. So I don't think that without the U.S. government action, that Google would have been taking this action of, re of um, restricting the licensed versions of Google Android and apps like from the Play Store, like Gmail and and Maps. So in the short to right, so in the short to midterm, this is probably not an attractive proposition to. Google, it probably is not an attractive proposition. It certainly is not an attractive proposition and action for Huawei. And for users of Huawei devices, especially for new releases that will be directly and absolutely impacted by the restriction, it makes, especially for users outside of the Chinese market, it makes those Huawei devices potentially become less attractive if we're used to. Um, having uh, a full-blown version of Android and all the apps that come with it. Now, Huawei says they have an alternative operating system. But then, ob obviously, the biggest question is, you might have an operating system, but you have a marketplace to support you know, the, the, the operating system because at the end of the day, that's really where the money is made. And I'm just wondering, if Huawei does go ahead to push out their operating system, what, how, how are they going to survive, especially since their marketplace is not necessarily too well known and will definitely take some time for people to adapt to it, especially developers? For those of us who um, cut our teeth in the PC era, 
where we watched the battles and the evolution of the what was at the time called the Wintel duopoly. So Intel uh, processor-based um, uh, personal computers running on Windows, running Windows. Um, and we saw um, that while there were other operating systems that were out there, certainly what Apple had and um, and um, um, uh, Unix-based operating systems, eventually the Windows um, ecosystem um, up to a point won the general war, and that was partly because applications that were written and distributed for the Windows operating system also became popular for both business and personal use. So a lot of it a lot of it goes with the developer ecosystem. You and I are happy to use Android devices or even um, Apple devices because of the app stores and the play stores and all the applications which become available for us to use. The end user doesn't really care much about the operating system. What they care about is the ecosystem that the operating system supports. So all the functionality from hardware to the content software distribution, which that particular operating system platform makes available. So Huawei's challenge, particularly for outside the Chinese market, will be getting developers to build and distribute applications and services to run on an alternate operating system. Developers will not invest in doing this if Huawei does not have sufficient distribution. So as an example, when people build an app today and they want to see it to do well in the market, they will typically build it for Android and then they'll build it for the Apple iOS operating system as well. They may or may not additionally build a distribution for uh, Windows Mobile. If they did an Android-compatible extension, unlicensed because it's open source and it's available out there from Google, then they might still be able to support your standard Android applications. So it's going to be interesting between what is technically possible with the open source Android for the non-Chinese markets, or whether Huawei will take the opportunity to innovate beyond what we're currently used to and use that as an opportunity to try and break open a whole new front. I would be be excited by that possibility. There's also another threat. There is the rollout of 5G networks and 5G-enabled handsets. So Huawei needs the global industry by 12 to 18 months in 5G network equipment manufacturing distribution.
it's been an incredible year so far and i am so excited about what we're going to be doing from next week all through the month of november we're going to have technology entrepreneurs join us in the studio to talk about what they've been doing with their, themselves with their solutions for ghana for alleviation of poverty for better health care for better financial services it's going to be an incredible incredible couple of days in the month of november and you can make time with us every 7 p.m every tuesday 7 p.m right here on this network on 97.3 city fm we are going to be celebrating ghana's technology entrepreneurs and it's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting and it's going to be impactful so you're going to learn a lot about what is actually happening right here in ghana and how people are changing lives I can't wait for it to start. We're going to be kicking things off next week, Tuesday. So make sure you tune in. Check out all our social media platforms. You get to see who will exactly be representing next week, Tuesday evening. So it's going to be great stuff on the show. It's been, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. A big thank you to, of course, to Kofi for all his wisdom i'm explaining what exactly this whole us and um china huawei thing was all about a big thank you to jimmy as well for um you know walking us through um the starter pack or the beginner's guide to what it means to have yourself plugged in digitally and big thanks to the folks over from um Yaklik and of course from teledata ict for joining us on the show a big thank you to the producers of the show as well jeffrey rikusapong and mr Enchi. Say our entry and a big thank you to Daniel's um, studio production. The show will be available as a podcast tomorrow, so make sure you find time to um, take a second listen, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts or TuneIn Podcasts, whichever platform it is, will be available there. It's been a great time with you. Next week, we begin the November Techpreneurs Month. It's going to be exciting stuff. I can't wait. But until next week, stay techy.